1: Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia
2: Passano. Airing live on the United Public
1: Radio Network 105.3 FM in New Orleans.
0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday night segment of The Outer Realm. We're broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, UFO Paranormal Radio Network 105.3 and 107.7 from the beautiful city of New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee who have been a part of our journey since the very beginning. So thank you, Folgers. We appreciate you so very much. Also, Big thank you to Dr. Snick, the Sonic Surgeon, a.k.a. Justin Snicker, for his contribution of his time, his voice, and his music for our intro and outro. He's an award-winning composer of Halloween horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music, which can be found anywhere that good music can be found. Also, big thank you to artist Steve McGinnis, who is the genius behind all of the banners here at the Outer Realm. Check him out on Facebook and Instagram. We're so grateful for his creativity. Anyway, guys, you'll notice that Bubbles isn't with me tonight. Our daughter's having a little bit of a snag, a little bit of a setback with her transplant. As everybody knows, she had a kidney transplant. So we're sending the whole family a lot of love, good wishes and prayers and just getting, getting everything back on track as it should be. So anyway get me tonight little old me but not just little old me we have of course an amazing guest tonight mr colin saunders all the way from uk he's sticking it out with us uh doing live and uh he's going to be discussing his book triangular ufos of the united kingdom so what's inside this amazing book well over 130 encounters with triangular UFOs, which includes Missing Time, Men in Black, and a whole bunch of fun stuff. So it's going to be a great show. But in order to participate tonight, guys, we have, uh, let's see, where are we at tonight? We are on uh ufo gods and extraterrestrials youtube outer realm youtube ufo gods oh i just said that one sorry ufo paranormal radio network and of course we're on facebook at canada's most haunted the outer realm ufo paranormal and united public radio and people we are on roku Yes, that's right. So if if you basically have Roku, get on over there, comfort of your boudoir, wherever the case may be, and watch us live there. So we are just waiting for our guest to come in and um, got a lot of thoughts with that whole triangular UFOs. It's fascinating. People see them all over the world and people have their own ideas as to, are they one of ours? Are they one of theirs? We don't know, but they sure are popping up everywhere. So it's definitely—it's yeah. I've—I've—I've I've read a good chunk of the book. Uh, it's so hard because week to week we have a lot of people. Our guests have have books and such, and uh, left me kind of going, "Wow, you know these things do really get around." So um, it'll be interesting to say the least. Anyway, uh, Tamara, hello, Michael Kennedy, hello. And Adriana, hello. Gosh. Oh, here we go, guys. One second, bear with me. I'm just trying to get to everybody. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Guest of honor. Hello, Colin. Hello. I think he might be. Oh, good <laughs> hi, you're live. How are you? <laughs> you're oh, be... uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you okay. No problem. How are you? I know it's very late for you. Can you hear me?
3: Hello, good morning, everybody. Yes, I'm good. Thank
0: you. Okay, good. Just want to make sure that uh, you're hearing me. We're hearing you. Everything looks good. So thank you for staying up and uh, because I know it's quite late for you, and people are already chiming into the chat rooms. So how it works is we've got uh, seven chat rooms coming in. And just reminding the listeners, the majority of our listenership is audio, as we have worldwide servers that go all over the world, and there are millions of people listening. So when I, I will put up, you know, put up comments just like this, and I'll read them out because this way our audio uh, listeners can can keep up with what it is we're saying. So again, to the listeners, remember, we have seven chat rooms. So I'm not ignoring anybody. I'm just trying to get to people as it comes up. If we move on past a certain point, then if there's time after the show, we can go back and address it. So now that I've got all the rules done, Colin, welcome all the way from the UK. Uh, Really been looking forward to meeting you and talking about this amazing book of yours. And I guess the best place to start, I'll put up the book actually, just so people can see it. There we go, everybody. This is what we're talking about this evening. And um, this can be found, is this on Amazon yet, Colin? um There
3: seems to be two people talking at the same time. It's very confusing to
0: hear. It's, it's, Are you getting people, feedback? So talk, do, talking, do you have like, headphones?
3: You
0: you may have a delay or you may be getting a feedback. You may Uh, need. Hello? Yes, I think. uh, Are you getting feedback? You may need to um, get some headphones or. I
3: do have some headphones. Yes, I could try and plug
0: in. Yeah. If you put them in, it'll cut the feedback. Oh. Hello, Steven. Hello, everybody. <laughs> there we go. That should help. So let me yes, get I'll some give
3: time delay there yeah. as well yeah
0: yeah i'm thinking you're just getting a bit of feedback so we'll put up the book here and uh people can have a look there'll be a few pictures that i will i will show throughout um throughout the um the segment now i i have pictures from the book as well so with permission as we move along we might be able to to bring them up also uh there we go we'll put those down for now and i think hello
3: can you okay good.
0: oh much better yes absolutely wow big difference there we go can you hear me okay now are we having a delay um, i can
3: i can hear you yes can you hear me okay
0: oh, yeah oh yeah it's much better much clearer much clearer so, okay, I think we're on track now, which is like, perfect. So let's get the show on the road. Um, where would you like to start? I usually start with with humble beginnings, you know, it gives you an opportunity to talk a little bit about yourself and your background, and then we can move on to your experience, if that works for you.
3: Um, I'm not sure. There still seems to be a bit of a a time delay.
0: Uh, you're a long ways away. (laughs) Yeah, it's very possible, but that's okay. I'll give you the majority of the time to talk. So let's get into a bit of humble beginnings. Maybe tell us about yourself and your background, and then we'll move on to your experience. I'll just let you take it. So we don't have, we don't fight with the delay. (laughs) did you want to log out and come back in why don't we log out and then just come back in and see if that helps okay we're going to try that (laughs) and see in the meantime while we're waiting uh steven i know the rendition forest guards and my mom saw a triangle craft with a light on each end in the uk and a white orb landed in my dad and knocked him near out of stonehenge oh my gosh that sounds a little serious but yeah orbs are definitely known to be around um around crafts as well the orb was shooting white lasers all over the ground really fast and telepathically interacted with him and listened to where he wanted it to go with his mind fascinating very fascinating Rendlesham was yeah that was that was really something wasn't it It was like their version of our area 51 actually we've got Philip Kinsella coming on um, next week to talk a little bit about Rendlesham and reptilians I know it's going to be like amazing um hold on coming back coming back Uh, And my dad's friend saw an alien that kept hitting their tent in the UK. It was a tall, skinny alien when his dad called the police to report it. Three people from the Royal Air Force Base, Fairford, Royal Air Force Base came. Yeah, that must have been fun. Jeepers. Uh, Thank you very much. Love the show, Michelle. Always professional. Easy going. Do our best. We do our best. Hello, Tara. How's it going? Um could be because I'm here. William. Yeah. Well, hopefully not. I'm just going to see here if uh, we can get Colin back and <laughs> try to get him back here. Um, use the link to come back in. Uh, there we go. All right, let's try this again. Okay, how is this? Is this a little bit better?
3: Hello there. I think can, you sound, can you hear me now? That sounds good now. Yes, that sounds
0: good. oh okay, perfect. I like that. All kinds of people chiming in already, but before we get to, to everybody, I've been putting them up, but I'll I'll want you to comment on them as we go along. What I thought we would do is just start off with um, you know, humble beginnings. Just tell us a bit about yourself and your background, then we can move on to your experience. So I'll give you as much time as possible just to do all the talking so we don't get any sort of feedback.
3: Okay. All right. Let's take it away. Awesome. I love Um, it. Basically, I've been a draftsman all of my life. I've been involved with drawing. Um, Even today, I'm still a uh, graphic designer working in the uh, embroidery industry. But more importantly, along the way, I've worked in the aircraft industry, the, the airbus. I'm
0: losing you You're cutting in and out Also
3: Working in Aberdeen for. I was based I was based Are we still uh, Are you still losing me up?
0: Yeah, you're just kind of and phasing in
3: and out. <clears throat> um, I'm not sure why that should should be, fa- to be honest.
0: Yeah, because you sound fantastic right now.
3: <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> um, okay, we'll we'll persevere. So I, I spent All a year right. working in um in Aberdeen for Chevron Petroleum. That was an interesting experience because that involved some offshore trips to the oil platforms. Um so it's a lot of helicopter experience there if you like so a lot of um, aircraft and aviation experience along the way one of the things mm-hmm. about working um for chevron when i was offshore you would do a particular job and then when you got back you had to draw the findings everything that you'd seen offshore but you had to make sure it was 100 percent right you couldn't go back offshore the next day if you've forgotten something so right. it's great training in that respect to make a good note of what you've been seeing and make a note of it as soon as you get back to the drawing office before you forget about what you've seen. So that sort of training came invaluable for the uh, the night of the, the UFO encounter. So, um, yes, I've done a lot of uh, interesting work along the way. And from and, um, and south, eventually, this is at the point that we had the encounter, which turned out to be um, a godsend because I'm working from home and I've got staff working for me. And right. the after the encounter, I found it very difficult to concentrate, and uh, right. I started making models. And I left my staff running the business from home, which was, which was like I say, was great at the time. So, right. she so we'll get to the uh, the encounter in nineteen ninety
0: nine. Yes. yes, absolutely. At your I... leisure, this the the stage is yours.
3: <laughs> okay. So no, no pressure. The thirty first <laughs> the 31st of March, nineteen ninety nine. We'd been out for a bar meal to a a local pub called the white lion at paleton which is a small village out in the countryside there was two car loads so was myself and my wife my wife was driving and i was with my wife and my mother-in-law and my daughter we was all in one car it was my mother-in-law's mother-in-law's birthday that day she was 72 which is one of the reasons we were going out to uh, to celebrate uh, but the second vehicle, the Range Rover, had got my brother-in-law inside. He was driving that one. And he had some French people with him because he's got a, a French partner. And uh, her grandparents came over. For the for the weekend. Two. I remember when um, we got into the car, we, yeah, uh, it cut out on the screen now. It's probably back in there, is it?
0: Yeah, you're so in there a
3: little bit. I remember, as we got um, into the car, I remember as we pulled off from the from the pub car park, I remember looking around and seeing my brother-in-law helping one of the old French people into the vehicle, the old lady. So they was a bit delayed, but we expected them to catch us up on the way back. It was only a short trip back to where we were living, which was Hinkley at the time.
2: Mm.
3: So we, we set off first, my wife driving i hope you can hear this okay and, yes um, yes Good, <laughs> good so we drove through the countryside we're in the middle of nowhere there's no street lights nothing and we came up to a major road called the foss way and the Foss way runs up to the watlin street they're two old roman roads dead straight roads that apparently were built on ley lines years ago
2: wow so
3: as we came up to the foss way um somebody mentioned that we was about to enter that road and my daughter said jokingly oh there's been talk of headless horsemen down here and we all laughed and said oh we'll keep our eyes open for him you know joking away then as soon as we turned onto the FOSS way there were some lights hovering by the side of the road there was red lights and a bit of white light mingled in it was just the most amazing lights I've ever seen in my life and we all started talking about them saying what could they be like there's too many lights for an airplane it's too low for an airplane anyway and too many lights for a helicopter." we're just sort of saying what on earth could it be um it was exactly half a mile from where we turned the corner to where the lights were hovering and then um, they were just by the side of the road like i say so we drove wow. towards the lights talking about them and we came upon the lights and i would say they were about 100 feet away now i base that. i'm pretty good with dimensions and uh, a friend of mine here in the uk has got a boat. That we sailed around the, the canals. It's seventy foot long, and I've steered that a few times. So when I say hundred feet, I mean hundred feet. You could have hit it with a cricket ball; it was that close.
2: Wow! But,
3: but it was just lights. There was no craft at all. So we stopped and we stared at these lights, and they were incredible. At the back of the what turned out to be a craft, at the back there were four big red lights <laughs> uh, in a line. But they weren't they weren't horizontal to the earth. They were tilted at like thirty degrees. Um, And then there was other red lights mixed in and white. And it was just incredible to look at. You couldn't really tell what was there because the craft was invisible. So as we're staring at these lights, the sky, it just starts to ripple around the lights, almost like shimmering. And I thought to myself, my God, there's an actual craft here. It's not, there's something around the lights. Up until that point, I just thought it was lights, just lights in the sky. Mm. Then the sky rippled. And it decloed just like on Star Trek. It was just incredible. And as soon as it decloed, it became a solid metallic structure, a triangular shape.
2: Wow. We were
3: looking at the rear end, we were looking at the rear end of the triangle. So as it materialized, as soon as it materialized and became solid, the nose it it rose up in the air. But it moved like a submarine underwater. It was Mm. incredible to see. And the way that it moved up meant that we got a, a view of the top surface. I could just quickly show you with one of the models. We'll, we'll get to the models a bit later on. Um, but basically, this is a an exact copy of the craft that we saw that night.
0: Oh, there we now, go. Wow. Yeah. So
3: where we came to the craft, the lights were at 30 degrees at the rear, like so.
0: Mm-hmm. And the
3: nose was tilted down slightly. So we could see a red light at the front underneath, right. a white light in the middle, and the lights at the back. But they were all mingled in. But soon as the craft became solid, it then rose in the air like this.
2: Oh wow!
3: So we got a view of the top surface. So we were 100 feet away from the top of this craft. If Mm -hmm. you can see on the, if you can see on the surface of this craft, it looks we tried to get the liquid effect onto there.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: Um, The craft looked Mm -hmm. like it was alive. This the dark grey colour was like a liquid running up and down the surface of the craft. Mm-hmm. The the sil- these silver beams on top interlocking beams, they were solid right So the craft so the liquid surface was not um, a distortion of electronics or um, or heat distortion. There was an actual liquid underneath the surface of the craft running up and down the craft.
2: Mm-hmm. And like I
3: say the the lines on top were solid. they were not shimmering. they were absolutely solid
2: mm-hmm. silver.
3: Beams that we were interlocking like an old-fashioned maze.
2: Wow!
3: And we we're all saying, "Wow, wow!" It's just amazing. Completely filled the field of vision. And then uh, I would say, me and the mother-in-law, we wanted to get out and get on board. We were so excited. I'm not sure if my wife and daughter were quite so keen. <laughs> I um, was going to
0: say, how was was everybody feeling the same way? Everybody aside from I think, the, like, the overwhelm.
3: I think me and my mother-in-law were overwhelmed and like just yeah. found it absolutely incredible. Um, I think my wife and my daughter were a little bit more nervous, but they still found it absolutely fascinating. Yes. Um, now the the problem was my wife was very is a very sensible person, so she's driving, and she decides at this point because there's a gateway just where the where the craft is hovering, she decides to pull forward and reverse into the gateway off the main road, even though there's no traffic around, the, the road is totally clear. So she puts the hazards flashes on and pulls forward to reverse into the gateway now. The action of pulling forward meant that there was a large hedge that blocked the view, and we couldn't see the craft. And I thought to myself, oh, no, if it's going to go, it's got to go now. Mm -hmm. So she reversed into the gateway. We jumped out. Sure enough, it had gone. But there was no smell of any aviation fuel. Um, There was no sound. There was no traffic. No other air. There was one craft going away from us. So we stood there Mm -hmm. in this gateway, and then we looked across to this Biggest flying object I've ever, ever seen. We have this craft with four red lights. So I'm saying to the to the girls, look, there it is. It's over there. It's, it's changed size. It's absolutely massive now. Um, I think it's important to say that prior to the um, encounter, I had no interest in UFOs at all. Oops, I haven't right. got any books. Been for any meetings in like those lines. So we didn't know right. what we were looking at. And I know in my early reports, I put I thought that the craft had changed in size from the small one to the large one. But once I started doing mm. a bit of research, I realized that was probably not the case and that the large one could well have been like um, one of these motherships, a huge craft that was going away from us.
2: Mm. And
3: uh, <clears throat> so we got back in the car, all talking about it, all excited, drove home. Now, my brother-in-law had bought the house next door to my mother-in-law When we took my mother in law back home, we were surprised to find that the Range Rover was already there next door and all the French people were out and they were inside the house. So they'd obviously got back before us and passed us at some point. We assume it was when we was in the gateway, but we don't know why they didn't see the crack. They were that close to us. Now Mm -hmm. there is a bit more a bit more to the story, which I'll come back to later on, which is what you would call the, the, the high strangeness of the situation okay but for the time being and for the first probably 20 years after the event i only ever really talked about the nuts and bolts right um but there is some paranormal um
1: hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on com. i looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere Where with daily bonuses that should brighten your day Lop. actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus
3: involvement there which like i say we'll we'll talk on as as we go along yes of course so <clears throat> so we've got back home and the first thing we did was do do some pictures whilst it's still fresh in your mind so me and my daughter we drew the same triangular shape craft with the beams on the surface my mother-in-law was not very good at drawing so she just described it as um, having girders on the surface she described them as as girders and i called them beams but the same same thing um <clears throat> but my wife who was driving she only ever saw the lights she didn't see the craft materialise because she was uh concentrating too much on the road and not looking at the lights when the craft actually decloaked. so three of us saw the craft Uh, my wife the fourth one just saw the lights Mm
2: -hmm.
3: now when we drew pictures my wife drew a picture of three red lights in a perfect triangle equal actual triangle there's no way we could have seen that from our angle from the aspect ratio of where we were standing looking at the craft there's no way we could have just seen the bottom of the craft in three red lights so i thought that was a bit odd now a couple of months later I asked her to draw again what she'd seen and again she drew three red lights in a perfect triangle
2: Mm.
3: that led me to believe that there's a possibility that the the small triangle was a bit like an ambush if you like that was Mm -hmm. grabbing our attention as we came down the road
2: right
3: now after the event once we got out of the car and looked at this large craft going away the trajectory of that craft could have brought it over the car at the same time as we were looking at the small one in the field. And what my wife actually saw was perhaps, we don't really know, but she, perhaps she saw the underneath of the last triangle as it came over the car, which is why she drew three red lights in the perfect equilateral triangle. Yes. And the other, the other three of us couldn't, couldn't see that, mm. not from where we were standing. There was just no way. So that's a bit of a weird stuff, but um, something else took place which I say we'll get back to in a bit
0: yeah of course of course
3: so what I did then the next day I couldn't concentrate the next day was April the 1st so it's April Fool's Day here in the UK and I was still trying to tell people about what I've seen the night before I couldn't help it like it just made my job a little bit more difficult I don't know if if ET's got a sense of humor or not but uh... (laughs) so Fortunately, I got the staff. Quite a few. I got three people working for me at the time, three members of the staff, and they they kept the business running whilst I just got involved with UFOs. So I started researching on the internet, but then I started drawing the craft in the cobble drawer. Did some nice drawings of it. And do then you want I made me to some... show
0: the pictures at all while you're talking? I've, yes, I've got them. Yes, I yes. got them from your book, but I want from I I don't want to do it without permission.
3: No, no. Please show all the pictures. Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay. One second, I will just bring that up. You can continue talking and I will I will just bring them up. Uh I've got the drawings right here. So one second.
3: I uh, want you to bring them up. I'm gonna have a quick drink yes. on the coffee to keep me awake.
0: Yes, absolutely. Okay. There we are. Okay, so I can maneuver here from here. So I can let you talk about the drawings if you want. And there's there's like a whole bunch of pictures in here. So
3: there is yes yes so initially um i drew the craft because i'm a draftsman it was obviously that was the first instinct to start drawing the craft um but but then i made some paper models from the coal drawings that i produced and uh, i remember going to my very first meeting ufo meeting with a a gentleman called omar fowler who ran a a ufo group in in derby and he was uh, specialized in triangles. so we became great friends over the years um, so I made some paper triangles, took those to the presentation, handed them out, chatted with people. But what I decided to do then was to to make a, a solid wooden model, the first model. So I got some pieces of doweling and some um, plywood, and I made a triangular shape craft, and I put the um, images that I'd printed on Coral Draw onto the craft. Um, you can see the craft there, picture 10, I think it is. Three, this ten. is
0: okay.
3: So this is um well okay. actually the very first craft that I made the very first model, um was stolen out of my my vehicle out of the van that I was using at the time oh. uh, it was broke broken into one night and then the cassette player was stolen along with the model. And
2: uh.
3: I remember I took the the vehicle to a friend of mine and he said that it had been professionally broken into and he couldn't understand why somebody would go to that amount of trouble to steal a cassette player Mm. but a couple of weeks later when i was looking for the model i realized that had been taken as well because the last time i had the model was inside the van Hmm. so that led me to build a second model which i've got here and this this time i decided to put some um some leds into it so switch this one on this this is the first one i built i built built this one um 20 years ago wow um trying to show the beams on the surface. It was difficult to try and get a liquid looking surface on the coral drawers,
2: yes. drawings,
3: and uh, a central white core that runs down the craft and the top and bottom fit onto the central core and they sort of rolled over like a hovercraft skin, like wow. the edges of a pie, top and bottom. But where they join the central white core, there was no nuts and bolts, no rivets, no welding. Mm-hmm. There was no way of seeing the way it actually been manufactured. Just it was incredible. Yeah. It was absolutely seamless, yes. yes. So I armed with this first model. I managed to get onto TV here in the UK and talk to people about what we'd seen that night. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't happy. I was very happy with the model, but it could be improved. Like, for instance, these beams need to be raised off the surface in 3D. Right. Now It's
0: self-impressive.
3: <laughs> so along Along the mm-hmm. way, um, I was sent some images from uh, Belgium where a young guy had seen in 1993, had seen the underneath of a triangle flying over his head. And what he saw was the this, these patterns, and these lines are in relief. These are all coming off the surface of the craft. We mm. never saw the bottom of the craft. We only saw the rear end and the top as it reared up, mm-hmm. as, it, as it floated up. And it's just to point out that if the craft... It was that low. If the craft had tilted from the middle, it would have struck the ground. So right. the rear end stayed where it was and the nose came up in, in the air like like so, up. like a stallion rising up in yes. front of you to show the top surface.
2: Yes.
3: So what what happened then was a friend of mine, John Mills, a very good friend, had bought himself a 3D printer. And he said to me he wanted to print the model, which was great, Like you know. Yeah, that's, that's
2: helpful. So he came up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they came up with this one this was the first model that we reproduced now you can see it's just basically all black uh, yes. and we've got some beams on the surface very yeah we surface. see that yes and we yes. Had the central white core uh, right. light in yeah. the middle of lights in the corners well done um, well this done. was just a production model
0: mm-hmm.
3: and it was great it was brilliant but it, it it wasn't the right colors but it was pretty close like the beams On here are black when they should be silver right and and there's which obviously hasn't got a liquid surface yes now john explained to me that it actually cost him a little bit of money and a lot of time to make this model Mm -hmm. so my suggestion was that i could sell some of these for him on on ebay and if we made enough if i sold enough would he make me a bigger model that was more realistic right and john agreed so i started selling these little models all profit going to john he got quite excited by it and um he made another model behind me you can see there's a flying saucer yes he's also made a cigar shaped um craft as well so we sold the three of those on on ebay eventually we'd sold enough and john then um made me the larger one so this is the larger one which we touched on earlier
2: so this is more like
3: an a3 size craft yes um and on this one Obviously, we've got the silver beams on the surface. We've got the liquid surface mm-hmm. that you can see there. That's a yeah. good view of it there.
0: Yes, yes. Um, it's
3: impressive. And then we've got the bottom that is based on the Belgium sighting because we never saw the bottom. We only ever saw right. the craft tilting down. Right. But like I say, it's true to say that when it was tilting down, we did catch a glimpse of the red light underneath mm. on the front here,
2: right, mingled
3: in with the other lights as it materialised, and it was at an angle. Like this to the earth, it wasn't flat. Mm. Right now, over the years, um I figured that the reason why it was tilted is because we were driving towards the craft. By tilting the craft towards us, it actually exposed more of the lights than if it had been flat so, to the earth.
0: Right, so they could get a look at you as well.
3: Oh, that's a good point, actually. I never thought that they were well, looking at us. I, I thought they were doing it
0: towards you. Uh, maybe they were trying to get a good look at. At you guys. Yes, oh.
3: but it just shows that there was some sort of intent there. I'm yeah. sure they did it on purpose. And when yeah. where there's intent, there is a a purpose behind that. Yes. But it, it it was like they just wanted us to see it. Like perhaps mm-hmm. it was an ambush because they were lit up like a Christmas tree. There's nothing else you could do but look at these lights when possibly the the larger craft went went over the top.
0: Well, I mean, you came, you know, you come up upon it and, and you, you just see so many where um, you hear so many experiences with the saucers and the light just, boom, just opens up, you know, over top of the car or the individuals. Maybe it's the same idea. This one just sort of tilted and lit you up and like, okay, what, you know, who are you guys? What do you want? Or they're just showing off, <laughs> so, you know, being exceptional like they were.
3: Um, I think, I Who's... think they were trying to grab our attention. Now, what I've got here, if I can keep this one going, because I've done a couple of presentations now, and I, I persuaded my friend John to make me a transparent triangle oh. to show what the lights were like when mm-hmm. we approached the craft. So if we tilted that up towards the camera, um, we could see the rear end, yes. the four lights at the rear end, as well as the lights underneath. Right. I don't know if you get an impression from this um
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Everybody in the chat room
3: is very envious. <laughs>
0: like, look <laughs> at those models.
3: <laughs> so I think um, maybe
0: keep your friend very yeah. busy if he's interested.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think there are still one or two triangles uh, um, on eBay. Reece? If anybody wants to buy it. the smaller ones, yeah, these are like the um, hand size ones. Reese yeah, has
0: think. has a good question for you. Did you experience any EMP effects on your car systems with this? No, it's a good question because
3: good question Uh, I should have said that as we were when we jumped out of the car the the craft had gone and like I say there was no um smell of any aviation fuel or any fuel whatsoever Mm -hmm. but also um during the encounter there was no noise the engine didn't stop the engine carried on running on the Ford Fiesta that we were in Mm -hmm. and if the craft was making any noise we didn't hear it over the noise of the car engine so that's a good question but no Mm -hmm. the car wasn't interfered with and we didn't hear any any noise from the craft itself. Right. But that's, uh, that's a good question, yeah, yeah. Okay. And after the event, it's a bit like, what well, they call the Oz effect, you know, it was so quiet. You could hear a, a pin drop.
0: Um, and and Rhys says, there's some brief, okay, we'll we'll fast forward that because this was at the beginning. Right. I just wanted to um, give you a couple of comments. Triangles are iconic images. She grew up in Cold War England and the Delta shaped RAF Vulcan bombers which the crews dubbed the Tin Triangle were everywhere every day. I've always been fascinated by triangular UFOs or UFPs, and Colin's book looks intriguing. So I thought you would want to see that as as well. And then we have a Rendlesham comment way up here, uh, also pertaining to a triangular craft. Uh, The Rendlesham Forest Guards, he does, and my mom saw triangle craft with a light on each end in the UK along with a white orb, which landed near my dad and literally knocked him near Stonehenge. (laughs) So, um, And he said the orb uh, was shooting white lasers on the ground really fast and telepathically interacted with his father, I'm guessing, and listened to where he wanted it to go with his mind. The story just keeps going all the way down. Um, uh, His dad's friend saw an alien that kept hitting the tent in the UK, tall, skinny, but when they call the police to report it, of course, the Royal Air Force came along. So that's just more that's triangular experiences that go way back.
3: Yes, yes. Uh, I think uh, the oldest one I've got in the book is 1957, 1956.
0: Sorry. Wow. So when is that? The uh, the Rendlesham date was when? When was Rendlesham exactly? That I'm, I'm... was um
3: 1980. Oh, okay, the, so
0: way after. Okay, okay. Yeah,
3: around okay. the 26th, 28th of December, I believe, the okay. uh, craft came down to Vendorsham. So 1930s. On two, two separate nights.
0: Yeah, that's that's way back.
3: So um, the one of the people, they were talking about um, telepathy. Yes. Dad. Now, we, yes. we'll touch on this because this is um, a strange thing that occurred. Um, so to get back to the models, what I decided to do, once John had built the last model, was to um, to go back on, on the road, basically. I'd been quiet for a few years. I hadn't really got involved too much with the UFO fraternity. Right. I was basically doing all my research from on, on the internet and um, writing some local uh, newspaper articles that people replied to, which was very interesting. And um, whilst I was at a conference last year, and I did the, the presentation there, I met um, a couple of guys, Philip and... Ronnie um, Kinsella. Yes. And um, I was chatting with Philip, and he suggested that I write a book. And I said, "Well, I'd love to write a book about my own experience, but I don't think there's enough information to be able to write a book." And he says, "Well, just think of it as being an extension of the presentation that you've done today." And that's really what kickstarted me into producing the book.
2: Right.
3: And um, so I came back, wrote about my own experience. Then I started to collect all the information I'd got over the years from different um, witnesses, and then started asking other people to write him with uh, any encounters they've had. But purely triangles, because that's what I was interested in. Yes. Just purely triangles. I know there's all sorts of uh, UFOs and UAPs mm-hmm. out there, mm-hmm. but triangles is my particular subject. So that basically was the first twenty years of my chats and presentations and it's all about the nuts and bolts Mm -hmm. of what we saw that night now we'll get to the interesting bit which i never talked about before because people would think you're crazy but times have changed you're amongst good
0: company here so (laughs) that would be great yeah i
3: realize that yes (laughs) yeah so let's go back to the night of the um the encounter okay so the craft the craft is here Mm -hmm. We'll put it around this way. <laughs> so okay. we're looking at the back of the craft that's tilted up. So I decided to have a look at this light here at the end. And I was staring at this light here. And it's got like a crisscross effect in,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, which looked more like it was coming from the light source, like Newton's law of ring interference, rather than being a piece of glass with etching on it. It looked more like it was coming from the waveform that was coming out of the, the red porthole or whatever it would be mm-hmm. at, that, at the rear so as the craft then materialized and floated in the air like so like a submarine underwater okay this is the weird bit it was like somebody got a pair of binoculars and put them up in front of my eyes like that because all of a sudden i could oh. see these beams close up like this interlocking
0: that was wow. the first
3: view then I had another view which was this nose and the nose was so close like that that i couldn't see any of the beams on the surface And then there was a third view which is this one showing the central white core and the top and bottom rolling over to the central core like a hovercraft skin which is where i say there was no nuts and bolts no rivets no welding now without that close-up view i wouldn't have been able to see the center of the craft from where we were positioned because we only saw the rear end and the top two surfaces as it as the craft rose in the air Mm -hmm. that particular view Of the especially that view there was a close-up view. Mm
0: -hmm. So your vision, your vision just improved. Like yes, oh amazing.
3: without those extra views, yes, I would not have been able to have created such an accurate model that we've got here today. Right. So the next day, I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking, how did that occur? It's like I decided it was an out-of-body experience and I got close to the craft
2: oh yes but
3: but part of me couldn't understand why after seeing the nose and then the side view why I didn't see it roll why it was like image after image three three quick images in my mind in my mind so it pulled
0: you up completely you know um, um, people experience their whole bodies going up
3: anything's possible really we don't we've got no definitive answers. I can only talk about what happened that night and I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. I'm just telling the story of of what happened and how weird it all was, but it does sort of, it all interlocks eventually.
2: Right.
3: So I decided to have an out-of-body experience. Then for the next 20 years, I researched out-of-body, I read books, could never do it again, tried, tried meditating, not very good at meditating. Mm. Now, um, not long after the experience, a couple of years, so it'd be the early 2000s, there were some conferences that were produced here in the UK in Leeds by a gentleman called um, Graham Birdsell and uh, Russell Callahan. The two of them put on some fantastic, um, some fantastic conferences in Leeds. So I used to go to these conferences. Now, on one occasion, Bud Hopkins was there, the late Bud Hopkins. So I managed to get um, a quick... Whew, 30 seconds chatting with nah. a few people wanted to talk to him <laughs> yeah so i told him what had occurred i told him this craft reared up in front of us right in front of us like you know just 100 feet away could have hit it with a cricket ball and then i told him about the out-of-body experience the three three close-up images
2: mm. and bob
3: says to me um they that was an out-of-body experience that was um telepathy they were images placed in your mind by the oh, aliens
0: that would make sense yes that would and mean, I thought,
3: that's mm-hmm. a bit bit odd. Um, right. Before we got a chance to expand on it, this lady with a crystal that she'd found in a forest butted in and started talking to Bob, and Bob, being a polite gentleman, he uh, carried on talking to the lady, and that was the end of my conversation, my 30 seconds.
2: Wow. So I
3: made a note of it, but um, I didn't take it on board. I still kept thinking it was an out-of-body experience. Now... The first 12 months to two years, probably, um, after the event, I started having other strange things happen, paranormal things. I,
2: mm.
3: I'd had nothing prior to the UFO no that I can remember. No really? ghosts, no, no nothing throughout the years. Now I'm starting to have other experiences like lights in the sky, um, some splats on the head, some whip cracks in the car. I put them all in the book, all the things that were going on. And mm. I'll just tell you about probably the most exciting or the most frightening experience and that was I love fishing and um, I'm in a fishing competition here in England on the River Soar a place called Rotherley in Leicestershire it's Mm. only a small competition I think it's only probably about 10 of us and I'm in this field on my own and there's a steep embankment down to the river so I've gone down and I'm actually standing in the river with my waders really enjoying myself having a great morning when I hear some footsteps coming across the field towards me, well, in the past, because it's quite remote down there, there have been some farm workers shooting. So mm. I thought i will go back up the bank onto the towpath and um, make myself known to these people because I didn't want, want them shooting in my direction. No. And uh, the strange thing was, when I got up the bank, there was no one there, but I could still hear the footsteps, and there was four footsteps coming across the field towards me. Mm. In my panic, because. Whenever anything occurs, I always tend to look for earthly explanations first. I don't jump to the paranormal. You know what I mean? I'm not that way inclined. Yes. So I decided that this noise was a big cat. Because big cats have been released in the countryside here in the UK. And there have been film of pumas and things like yes. this. Yes. Yes. So I took um in my rod hold all I got a, a an umbrella with a spike, metal spike on the bottom. So I took that metal pole with a spike on it to protect myself and i thought what am i going to do and i decided if it was a big cat i was going to go back down the bank the river bank and get it to jump on me and impale it on its own weight as it come down that was my game plan that quickly went through my mind and i stood there with this pole absolutely frightened to death and the noise came right in front of me and it walked from left to right whatever it was and it was totally invisible and there was nothing moving no grass or anything and then it must have only been four feet six feet in front of me it was that close and then it was loud and as it went away i started whacking the metal pole behind it to try and flush it out but there was nothing there the grass was very low and i stood there and i thought wow that was weird that's one of these space time contingency things this whatever yeah. i'd heard was not there in our world it was like ghostly footsteps if you like
2: mm.
3: and that that was the very point that moment once it had gone away and i realized it was paranormal that i connected that and all the other things with obviously with the ufo experience now what that, was the
0: time frame between the two sorry colin that experience um, in your sighting
3: that was autumn 2000 so
0: oh, wow quite quite so, so a year cool. about yes. 18
3: months later wow um and that was the day that i decided at that very point that the ufo was interdimensional rather than extraterrestrial and somehow yeah the craft had left some residue with me that was allowing me to pick up on these other things and yes. i started to think well all these other things that i'm seeing and hearing they must be here all the time mm-hmm. but it's whether you're aware of them or not you know really so you're tuned in we, now basically yes yes but it wasn't happening to the other members of the family that were in the car that night and like i say, i've had 24 years to think about all of this yes so what i think now i think oh what well, i'll just touch on another thing i'd um it is ryan here and i have a question
1: for you what do you do when you win
3: telepathy part 100 i kept it on the back burner i was still clinging to the outer body experience because i i did get a bit of comfort from that because i started to think maybe you yeah. can live without your body that your your life force your soul whatever it is can come out and it was great it gave me a yes. bit of comfort for for 20 years right but then right. <laughs> but then i got an email out of the blue from a guy in america um connecticut he's never been to mufon or anybody like that but he's been going around the internet looking for people that would seen triangles or triangle experiences and he came across me talking to Richard Hall on the, on his program where I talked about the close viewing and this email that came from the guy in America it started off by saying just like you I had three images placed in my mind with a close encounter with a triangle and he goes on to say that you know, he'd seen this light he would chased it in his car he stopped his triangle appeared it was quite close to him and whilst he was looking at it and trying to remember all the detail for later on Mm. he said um, all of a sudden it was like it was close up to the craft he got three the same as me three close-up views one was of some pipe work on the outside of the craft Uh, the other was of some light not light bulbs but some lights on the outside of the craft and he thinks the third image was possibly inside the craft itself Um, Then other weird things happened. It didn't quite finish there for him. But once I received that email saying, um, just like you, I had three images placed in my mind. It was like a eureka moment. All of a sudden, I realized Bud Hopkins was right. It wasn't an out-of-body experience. It was images placed in my mind by either... ET on the craft or the craft itself, because the craft looked like it was alive. It looked like it was organic, they even though it, to was,
2: yeah.
3: it was clearly manufactured. Mm-hmm. But when it came, when it rose up in the air, it looked like a living creature. Mm. So um, it then appears that I'd also been listening to a lot of David Jacobs' work, uh, where he's been dealing with the abductees, and he talks about telepathy all the time. Now, in my naivety. I always thought that telepathy was words in your head and words in somebody else's head going backwards and forwards. Mm. But as he was, David was saying that uh, a lot of people receive images and pictures, not always nice images, pictures they'll, of the world. Call and them being them downloads,
0: I think, like I get them.
3: That's right. So yeah. um, when I got the email from America, it was like, Eureka. It all of a sudden made sense. It was images placed in my mind. It wasn't an out of body experience.
2: Right.
3: That also explains why the other three members of the car didn't go on to have any other experiences like myself, because they didn't have the download. They didn't have the right. images placed in their mind.
0: Do you think so it's figured... because you put more emphasis on it than they did? Like why you specifically? Because a lot of a lot of experiencers will say like there was a, there were many of us. Why me? Did, did you wonder
3: about that? Yes, I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I came up with some answers. Um, One of them is, I've been a draftsman all my life. Right. So I know about drawings and I know about geometry. And I was in a good position to make notes of what we saw that night and to carry on and make drawings and to make the craft. I mean, right. if this thing was done for a reason, then it's to build the models, to write the book, and to be here today on yes. your program and lots of other different podcast that I'm doing at the moment spreading spreading the word yes um so where did we get to
0: well tel- telepathy and yeah and so interesting it, projection and, and tuning seem, you in I guess it did
3: seem to be in the end I decided that was what took place um then I've, I've also got in touch with another guy he lives in New Zealand now where, well he got in touch with me um he'd read my story as well and he'd had the same sort of experience with a, a triangular shape craft where he'd um, seen some views of it and then it was close-up views so there are two other examples of um telepathy in the book besides besides my own so i am now 100 convinced that that's what took place that night i found it a bit strange a bit sort of odd to take on board because you're thinking have I had telepathy with an alien? And if I go down my local pub and tell people that, they'll think I'm crazy. So the the best thing I do was put it put it into the book.
2: Yeah. So
3: basically, that's the story. We had an encounter, a clo a very close encounter. I believe some telepathy took place, um, and the reason being, like you say, is because I spent all my life as a draftsman, but I'm also I'm not involved in the military. I'm not involved in the government, so I'm not under any secrecy to keep this quiet right. i can sit here and tell everybody about it here today and right. from the reactions i've got along the way for the last 24 years everybody goes with it there's not many people who right. are sort of uh, are knocking it poo-pooing the idea yeah. well to have 130 genuine, genuine,
0: accounts genuine, in, in your book the... yeah to have 130 yeah, so accounts back, in your book that's, that's a pretty substantial amount of stories and witnesses
2: Frozen. I'm
3: still thinking the surf. Lots
0: yeah, you're, you're just frozen. A lot of the sightings
3: are local. I've...
0: Right. Okay, we're back. I think that's when <laughs>
3: the, when my picture came back up. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah yes, there's, I am. Um,
3: well, I, I did some local. There was a, a UFO um, report in the local newspaper, the Hinkley Times. So I wrote back to the Hinkley Times with my own uh, experience, and they did a two-page spread. And show the models which is really good and then uh, on that i put my e- email address and ask people to get in touch and i mm. you know i've got about ooh, eight eight witnesses something along those lines just here in hinkley in the in the one town where i live they've all had right. close encounters with triangles uh, right. and one of them actually um they're all they're all interesting but one of them um a triangle came down into Skills garden in um Burbage, which is sort of joins on to Hinckley, I say it came down. It came down very low to the garden. Yeah. Late yeah. one night, she was freaked out, freaked out by it. But she said when the craft tilted up to show the underneath, there was a, a glass dome underneath, and inside the glass dome, she could see two two aliens, and she ran in the house screaming because you didn't want to get abducted. <laughs> oh. but that is a that, that's just. Amazing, like that's in my uh, own Uh, town—Burby, Chinkley—they all joined together. So I've got all these sightings locally. And then, um, once I started writing the book, I put my own experience in, but there wasn't enough to fill a book. Mm -hmm. There was only about ten thousand words, so I decided to start putting in other people's sightings. So I took all the sightings that people have been in touch over the last twenty odd years. But then also got in touch with people through social media to write in with their accounts. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Now, along the way, what I was starting to do, because I'm intrigued with the the paranormal side of all of this. I asked people if there's any paranormal experiences as well as UFO experience. Mm -hmm. And there was more people coming back saying yes than no. Interesting. So so there's a whole chapter in the book dedicated to UFOs and the paranormal.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: And um it's just such an amazing thing that it, it does seem to me that there is this connection between the paranormal and, I, and UFOs. I, I can tell you there is, because
0: I've spent two decades working in the paranormal and ufology. And many of the people I worked with who thought, well, they knew they were having paranormal experiences, but the entities that they believed they were dealing with, half of them were having... Um, experiences with um, different extraterrestrials. Half of them. And I've worked with thousands of people all over the world. So I think that validates your your theory on that a little bit because I went the other way, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, there's a UFO connection to everything I'm seeing with these people who are having paranormal experiences. So there's there's definitely a link.
3: Yeah, I found out that it appears that a lot of people – um, have paranormal experiences before yeah. they see the ufo mm-hmm. whereas in my case it's the other way around I, I had as far as i can remember no paranormal experiences prior to the ufo right. but after the ufo everything started to kick off if you like yeah and, i think it just uh, they
0: opened you up you know like they yes, opened a door right. for you yes yeah it's been oh. quite
3: a, a roller coaster to be honest
0: quite who do you do, I mean, some people will say, oh, that's our military. Other people say, no, it's this race of of beings. Um, what, what do you think?
3: Mm. Um, I don't know exactly which race of being was on board the Triangle that night.
2: Yeah,
3: It may even have been um, remotely controlled. Who knows? Right. But <clears throat> I do not believe for one minute that these are military um, right. vehicles. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, for a start, you, you wouldn't go around at treetop height in a, okay. a secret military craft just yeah on unsuspecting people in the countryside in the uk
2: right.
3: <clears throat> and also you get lots of reports of these things flying at rooftop height in yeah. in towns and villages i mean why would the military ever do anything along those lines if right. something went wrong you know you'd have to explain why the craft was there mm-hmm. and, and well and in the this day and everything. age they'll,
0: they'll scream false flag <laughs> but back then yeah, it would be a little bit different they're very secretive
3: also um Having worked in the aircraft industry, for instance, you know, when I was in Sweden, yes. we, were, we were working on a 34-seater civilian aircraft.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So you would manufacture from zero to 75, the first 75 aircraft, and they'd all be the same. You know, very little change between them. Mm-hmm. Any, major implica- uh, any major modifications would then come from, say, 75 to 150 in the next batch of aircraft. You don't keep changing every single aircraft that you make. To be a different standard to the one before; right. otherwise, you lose control right. of what's going on.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, in my book, we've got 130 close encounters.
2: Right. No,
3: no, no two triangles are exactly the same in that book. They're either different sizes, really? coloured color, lights. Wow! Different modes of operation.
2: Mm.
3: There's no way, and that's just scra- scraping the surface. There's no way we're going to be building thousands no, of secret it military make any aircraft. Sense because right. you, you need like backup for them you need maintenance teams you need spare parts etc mm-hmm. etc so mm-hmm. if you look at the um the f117 the night or the style fighter they're all exactly the same
0: cool. the same as
3: the b2 bomber they're all exactly the same they don't change every single
0: It wouldn't the yeah no exactly
3: and I believe they, they've only built hundreds of these um fighters. They haven't built thousands of them. <clears throat> We're looking at 130 that I've collected. There's mm-hmm. got to be thousands around the UK. And if you look at it worldwide, there are thousands and thousands of different triangles mm-hmm. out there. All right. they can't possibly be,
0: which makes it
3: by military.
0: No, which makes it very fascinating. You know, so many similarities, but yet mm. so many differences as well. You know, um one second, I'm just going to get this out, Uh, pertaining to your being, I guess, woken up, uh, tapped in, once one door opens, you start to see other things before, or because the person's vibration has been raised. So you don't get to choose what you see. It's contacted by vibration. Well, I guess if you look at what Nikola Tesla had always said, it is about frequency and vibration. And that would make sense when you factor in a lot of the uh different things that experiencers or contactees go through and here's something for you as well colin uh my friend ufo man i guess it's a handle says he has a whistleblower coming out that was actually a pilot of a tr3b and has a photo of him next to one and inside the cockpit he has credentials to back it up We have amazing intel on mechanisms uh, are these because uh, I'm 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 completely green here, the TR-3B, is that a, a, a British? Was that the uh,
3: British? No, they, it's an oh. alleged uh, American. Oh, are kind, they? Okay, uh, I wasn't
0: sure. <clears throat> okay, interesting. No, we've,
3: never, we've never seen any um, definitive photos of the TR-3B, but one thing I remember on the night of our experience, like the next day I expected it to be in the newspapers. I expected everybody to hear about it because I, I mm-hmm. didn't think it was just us, you know. Right. I realized that night that lots of people must see these things. And once I started doing my research, that was the case. Yes, there's lots of people have seen triangles. Now, if us members of the public have seen these, then obviously the military knows of their existence. And Mm -hmm. it would make sense that they're trying to back engineer some of these craft. So whilst they may well have a secret triangular-shaped craft on the go, it may be the TR-3B, they may call it something else. It's mm. not accounting for all of the sightings that we're having around the world. It certainly doesn't account for mm. um, telepathy and, and, and all these strange things that are going on in the paranormal world. Right. I think if you have a close encounter with TR3B, that'll mm-hmm. be the end of it. It'll just be an encounter with a craft. You won't go on to have any other paranormal experiences because it's a, man, a man-made object. Mm-hmm. So I'm not discounting the fact that we're we've, we've probably trying to, to build something along those lines
0: yeah reverse engineer them absolutely i mean there's sightings of these triangular crafts all over the world all over the world and england yes. seems to really have an like a, a good concentration of them
3: sorry it, the, the uk
0: oh yeah the uk sorry they have a yeah. really high concentration of sightings
3: I we mean, did have a, a lot of sightings in belgium as well in the 90s yeah. as, just recently as the book's coming out more and more and people are getting to see it i'm being contacted from people in belgium and france and all around europe basically these triangles are appearing everywhere
2: um
3: so what about my thoughts on the engineering
0: yeah i'll quickly go
3: through this because this is something that i've dreamt up myself (laughs) okay okay The it does not necessarily mean that these things are man-made. There's no way I believe these are man-made, but some of the engineering we we can possibly understand. So this is my theory because a friend of mine sent me um, a video of a guy doing quantum levitation with a a, a piece of metal. Basically, Mm -hmm. he was cooling the metal down to zero degrees Kelvin. It becomes a superconductor, and then that will float in the, the magnetic field. So I came up with this theory that the craft that we saw that night the liquid surface could well be something like liquid nitrogen trapped underneath a transparent skin these beams on the surface could quite then possibly protrude down below the surface into the liquid which would mean all of these beams on the surface uh, are semi um, superconductors same same with the bottom mm. once you have them semiconductors you you have what's called quantum levitation so then the craft could just hover the Earth's magnetic field without using any energy source whatsoever just by being a super cooled craft. Now if mm. I've come to that conclusion, I'm sure that the military would be looking down these lines as well and trying to create their own craft. Um the other thing that points me towards that is when the craft materialized in front of us, mm. as the craft actually decloaked, these bottom two corners here, they had their vaporization. They had like fluffy white clouds. And the nose was pointed down. And I believe there was also vaporization on the front of the craft. And the little red light that we could see off to one side, which is the yeah. one underneath at the front, was covered yes. in mist. And that would be the vaporization from the three corners of the, of the triangle. And that's, right. that would occur because it's so cold and because all mm-hmm. oh, the superconductors on the craft. That's only a guesswork. Now, I have in the book, I've got two people who have actually touched a triangle so that sort of that's different take, that takes away from the fact it being really cold maybe the small one is but yeah the craft that these guys <clears throat> touched, it didn't freeze the hands or do any damage yeah. to them or burn because how many
0: them. reports that, do you do, have you read about where people get a sort of a radiation burn by getting too close to them this seems to defy all of that with these witnesses
3: y- yes i mean were no um Uh, no medical problems to ourselves my daughter's ears did bubble up on the top but that was like um, a couple of weeks later we never did find a reason why that occurred and it just cleared up on its own Mm
2: -hmm. but we
3: didn't maybe we're just at the right distance not to receive any um, radiation or or whatever was coming from the from the craft Mm -hmm. but um, yeah I can definitely say that this was not from this world just and the whole the whole thing the whole occurrence was so strange
2: yes. like the next
3: day for instance when i went back and measured the distance from where we saw the craft from where we turned the corner to where we saw the craft exactly half a mile so i've measured it but when i turned the corner that half mile <clears throat> i failed to see how we could have seen it because it was like trees and, and hedges yeah. and things in the way right. it was almost like the scenery was different now my wife who only saw the lights and didn't see the craft materialise because she was concentrating on the road. Yes, uh, A few days later or a week later, she picked a friend of ours up from the airport and she came back along the Foss Way to show Ruby where we'd seen these lights. And when she came home, she said to me, you know, it's strange. It's like the scenery was different the other night when we came up there because I, I don't see how we could have seen it. Maybe. So it's, it's a case possibly of dimensions mixing up you know, when the craft was arriving, yeah. when the craft was materialising in front of that us. Would
0: make, that would make sense. It's plausible.
3: But the whole the whole evening, so there was nobody else involved. It was just our car. Right. The craft was there waiting for us. It wasn't um, being in the right place at the right time. I do not believe that.
0: Right. I believe
3: firmly that craft was there waiting You were meant to see it. We were, yeah. yeah, definitely, absolutely.
0: Yes. And that's the weird
3: thing about these craft, isn't it? You know, half the population are being hidden from it. I have the wife got it wired right up in the face. I've been personal. seeing
0: them my whole life. It's it's strange to me. When people just they say they've never seen one. I'm thinking, I'm just, <laughs> just look up. <laughs> really, I think, but because I do think you're right on that. I think if you're meant to see it, you will. There have been reports of people like crowds, you know, like a big, a large group of people being in an area, and a craft comes in, and only part of the crowd or half the crowd is witnessing this craft and yet everybody else is like no we don't see it
3: you do hear that yes yeah. <clears throat> you do hear that time and time again that um yeah, certain, yeah a crowd of people certain people will see it and and other people won't i have a report in the book where um there's a guy in hinkley he'd, he'd seen a triangle and he stopped and he was mm-hmm. pointing at it and he says other oh, people were just oblivious to it, like and, and there right. it was just hovering in the sky and nobody else could see it. Right, right. <clears throat> so it does that does happen a lot.
2: Right. Like I said, there's
3: a lot of information in this book. Okay. Um <clears throat> that people who are interested in triangles will um enjoy.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <clears throat> and to run through some of it just
2: because yeah, I've
3: been I've been through um all of the sightings, obviously, and tried to make some some notes of anything that um I think was important now the underneath of our craft had um i believe three red lights in the corners and a white light in the mm. middle now mm-hmm. sometimes that's reverse where there's a red light in the middle and white lights in the corner
2: okay
3: in fact um mal Orton from Shamford who's in the book he um which is not too far from here he he drove um he was driving to walk at three work at 3 a.m in the morning <laughs> at 3 a.m and then there, there was a triangle hovering over a field right next to the road and he said this thing was the size of a football pit mm. and he stopped his car and he got out and he walked the was in the middle
0: Make
3: you frozen. Frozen. So back. So you've disappeared now, Michelle. I don't know if we're still online. Are we? Are you still hearing me? Okay.
0: I'm here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You've been. You've been freaking <laughs> on us.
3: So we're back. To talk about the, the the colors like i was saying that Mal male's triangle yeah. the huge football pitch one, they were reverse colors mm-hmm. to what we saw but if you okay. go through the book you find that people report not just red and white lights but we've got green blue yellow orange bronze purple and pink as well and uh, mm-hmm. sometimes a white beam coming down from the center of the craft as well that's reported in quite a few cases but also like the color of the craft i would have said it was gray And black. That seems to be the majority of the sightings. But we've also got reports of orange, silver, gold, white, blue, dark brown, and even a green triangle. And then there's reports of noise. And it's always the same. It's like a dull hum, a low humming sound, like a transformer. um, Yeah. Or buzzing or droning. And somebody described it as well as making a sucking noise like a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. And they vary in size, from small to football pitch size and some of the descriptions this is interesting like you know people talk about fridge pipes running around the craft and girders um, I believe and there's a drawing in the book from from Michael Schwack that shows a triangle with all um, manner of pipes running underneath the craft like a back of a refrigerator
2: mm-hmm.
3: I believe that these pipes are carrying again something like liquid nitrogen and becoming superconductors so the craft again is getting quantum levitation Mm-hmm. i mean on our triangle i believe the liquid was under the surface and the beams inserted into that but possibly most of the craft that people talk about seem to have these fridge-like uh, pipes running around the outside of the craft so mm-hmm. i'm surmising i don't know that these are superconductors with liquid flowing flowing through them um there's also talk of feelings of pressure when the craft is with the lucky Landslides, you can get lucky just about anywhere The guy, one of the guys who actually touched one of these craft, said the pressure was making them a dental implant vibrate in his mouth during the course of the encounter. Wow! Um, people also talk about cloaking. That comes in a lot. Yeah. Uh, shimmer, shimmering like tin foil. That's a good description. Yes. Or black tar. Um, a bit of missing time. And there's a few people say it looks alive. The craft, you know, which is mm-hmm. what I alluded to earlier. Right. One of the big things I learned in the early days was the movement of the craft. The way this craft moved, it floated like a submarine underwater or like yes. a hydrogen-filled ship. Right. Um, and then when I used to read reports on on the internet, if people were talking about the way this, the craft moved, if they said it glided, then I, I knew they were telling the truth because the description, the way they move, is very odd. It's not like a normal craft moving. And I guess this is down to um, anti gravity rather than a normal sort of propulsion system but people talk about it being fluid or gliding floating like it's underwater
2: right
3: and um, they've also see, been seen flying blunt end first rather than point end first you get quite a few reports of that hmm. so the craft i don't think the craft is made to be aerodynamic i think it's made for stability i think the triangular shape is a good solid mm-hmm. object um right and then it's using whatever proportion system to move itself around maybe those three red lights underneath change the vibration of it to get it from one dimension to another Mm -hmm. i I don't really know but um there's certainly a lot of information to be gained from all of the different sightings in there but we're still only just scratching the surface really
0: um well here's a comment for you pertaining to the lights um Uh, I guess his contact says it uses a micronuclear generator, which has exhaust in red orb at center and three lights on each end are the force field generators and use four different angle copper spinning wheels to generate force fields. I guess this is their witness who has, who has seen the craft.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I've got um, no reason to believe we're not trying to manufacture our own yeah um, yeah i mean i'm sure we're trying to build our own but I, I still say that the majority of the triangles we see are not man-made they're not the tr3b right. i know a lot of people always jump to the tr3b all the time like
0: but unless just
3: right. one of these i mean the one we was with they that look night, very different they do yes the one we yes. saw that night was yes. was not definitely not man-made Right. Um, because of all the strange experiences that took place on the night and since then as well so right i have no doubt we are manufacturing our own and there's a lot of people out there who will try and convince me that what i've saw is not from this world but i'm i'm not having any of it i don't know why people try to do that right really? right well um, I, like I
0: think because know, I... we we reverse engineer i mean governments have been trying to reverse engineer since Roswell <laughs> So, you know, might, but I think you'd be able to figure out the carbon copy pretty easily (laughs) compared to something that's so quiet and stealth. And Mm. as an experiencer, I can tell you, I've seen crafts that are completely silent and I've seen crafts that are have that low hum that you talk about. And it's almost like what a dog whistle sounds like to a dog, you know, like it's just it's very distinct, I think, to those who know. Like those of us who are used to it, like we recognize it right away. I don't know that people who aren't used to it would actually know what it was. It would just feel like a, you know, like a a tower, like like a buzzing or a humming from a a hydro tower, you know, some bigger one. Yeah.
3: I think something... I do realize that with this subject, it's something you do need to experience yourself. I mean, I can sit here and talk to people to yes. live in the face. The models yeah. help because that makes it more tangible. Right. But you really need to have your own experience to take this on board completely. Yeah, into, because uh,
0: you're right. You can talk about it because you're very thorough in how you describe everything. But, you know, you're going to have people who are still going to be like, well, I don't know. Until you actually experience it, it really is difficult to it is, yes.
3: It, and when you do experience it, it's absolutely life-changing.
0: Don't you it's wish just, you could just take take the image and the experience out of your mind and just go here?
3: Because, yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, it's, I, I,
3: felt... I have thought that many times, actually. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's yes. spot on, that is, yeah. Building the model certainly helps um, Yes. To, to, to visualize it. I know yes. the first model I built, the, the wooden one uh, with the lights that I showed earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, I used to carry it around in a briefcase now every time I took it out of the briefcase and switched it on it would make me shake I'd I'd get excited just by looking at, at, at the model and taking me back to to that to, night.
0: The, to that experience i'm gonna to have to, do, to hold that thought i have to do a sponsor and station id i would say the interviews are just so nice it's like an education for me but then i have to do the actual job part of the show which is this <laughs> so for anybody tuning in you are listening to the outer realm and our guest tonight is colin saunders and he is discussing his amazing book triangular ufos of the united kingdom and there's over 130 different accounts in there so definitely check it out we'll show the image again shortly uh we are broadcasting live on the united public radio network ufo paranormal radio network 105.3 and 107.7 fm from the beautiful city of new orleans we're fully sponsored by the amazing people over at folgers coffee and who just fyi how they came from Britain. They're not, you know, American company, but British family. This is where they're, they're, their origins are. Anyway, also big thank you to Justin Snicker, Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon for his contribution of our intros and outros. He's uh, an award-winning composer, of Halloween horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music. You can find him on all the popular platforms. Big thank you to Steve McGinnis, the artist behind all of the banners and logos here at the show. Check him out on Facebook and Instagram. So again, people, you are tuning in to The Outer Realm with Mr. Cohn Saunders. So, wow. I have to ask you. um, You have one sighting. Yeah. Have you ever gone back to that location just to see if they would come back? Yeah. Many times, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I would especially
3: too. On the on the anniversary, I've been back there many times and and stood there. Yeah, um, but nothing's ever happened. So <laughs> I've not I've not gone back there any, any not recently anyway. Right. But about, certainly in the early days, I used to. Yeah.
0: What about trying this the, – The new, you know, you have this whole new CE five movement where people just can go out and 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 call out like i mean i know i've been able to just telepathically put it out there i don't have to do anything special i was just kind of like well it would be nice if you know <laughs> if i saw you tonight or and then literally within like a few days i have an experience um have you tried that like is that something figured because you obviously have a connection uh-huh. they've connected you somehow
3: yes i i, I have been out and uh, thought come on show yourselves um, yeah Yes. but they haven't <laughs> it, it doesn't seem to work for me I, I, I don't seem to be able to do this ce5 there's only on one occasion just one occasion when um i'd been to see a guy called john hansen and been yeah. chatting with him and his uh, his partner um right. talking about all sorts of things with to do with the triangles right and then i came back um back home and uh, i went up into the bedroom looking out across the uh, the, the neighborhood and i actually said uh come on, boys, give us a sign. And all this right. multitude of lights came down. It looked like um, a meteorite had come down and just broken up into all these colours of the rainbow right in front of my eyes. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. That was quite a coincidence that that occurred at the point where I thought, when I said, you know, give us a sign. But that right. is a one and only time when I've, I've tried to ask for something and something's happened. So the rest of the time when I've been out trying to call them down, and um, right. No, it doesn't doesn't seem seem to work i think right. you know when they want to show themselves i think they will do they'll probably just be waiting for me again one night i don't know well, it would be interesting to see the element happens, of
0: the surprise you know. catch you off
3: guard <laughs> um yes but also um people say was it frightening and no it wasn't it was totally the opposite it was even though i'm not religious it was it was like meeting god when the right. craft materialized and floated up in front of us a feeling It was fantastic. It was one of warmth and love and affection in a way. It was just incredible to see. But maybe that's just because I was just so in awe of what I was seeing because I've worked in the aircraft industry. I've been to air shows. I know what craft are like. And in that split second, you know, aliens exist. And three thoughts came into my mind, actually, as the craft materialised and floated up. The first one was, my God, aliens exist. Uh, The second one was, abductions must take place. And then the third one was, this explains mysteries from history because I think these have been around all the time.
2: I don't know You're why right. I
3: thought that, but yeah. those three, three thoughts came straight into my mind that on that yes. particular night, then followed by that was the three close images. Right. And then the end, end of the, the experience. Well, the start I, I of thank you for,
0: <laughs> yeah, I thank you for sharing that because there's so many um, bad experiences that are always being publicized. And yet there's so many that are the opposite there, you know, some people really enjoy these experiences. They just talk about how calm it feels and how they feel really reflective and how it changes their lives, but really in a positive way, they just go through it. Like, it's almost like, you know, you take off the rose colored glasses, (laughs) you know, and you actually start seeing things for what it is. It's like, wow, we really do share space with some somebody else or something else and and it's not scary it doesn't have to be scary why media you know yeah. the, the influx of media
3: well that's certainly what happened to me personally that night you know my whole life just changed in an instant everything I knew everything I'd learned right. had suddenly changed and the right. realization that aliens exist and they're here was phenomenal I mean that on that particular night it was just incredible but since then over the last 24 years I realize how lucky I I was that night all all of us were that night but also the fact that these things they carried on for quite some time a couple of years after the event Mm. and I realize they're there now all the time and it makes a difference when I talk to people or when people talk to me about their experiences yes if I expect people to believe my story which is pretty incredible then why shouldn't I believe other people's story? And they tell me some fantastic things. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly the section in the book where there's the link between paranormal and UFOs, is some yes. interesting sightings um, and documentation about this subject there.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but if you talk to the uninitiated, like, you know, they'll think you probably think you're crazy. But uh, <laughs> at yeah, the moment...
0: It's a good kind of crazy. <laughs> you know, it, yeah you're enlightening people you're you're educating people i think it's a form of evolution in a way to be made privy or or to somehow be chosen to be able to have these incredible experiences sometimes these experiences are very personal they're just meant for individual people only and other times people are chosen because they will go out there like yourself and talk about it and educate people about it. And, 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 you know, you're spreading the word. It's much like, I feel like I've been in television for 20 years and I've had experiences and I've, you know, over time have found ways to, you know, bring on a platform like much like this show. Amelia and I come out and we present. We 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 give a platform for people such as yourself to come out and share your experiences, spread the word on all kinds of different topics. And it is amazing to me how people are really accepting the the like UFOs on average and having other races out there. There's not as many people anymore going, no that's ridiculous. I mean, some people will say it because they're fearful. But I think when disclosure happened, at least on this side of the world, all of a sudden it's like a light went off and went, oh, okay, that's really a thing. Then you have other people who are like, everybody's got one of these, are going, I knew it. And they're, they're opening up to it. And with the amount of people who've spoken to you about their experiences, that tells me that they're okay with this
3: yes yes i mean i i mean if there was a reason for this and Mm -hmm. the reason for the encounter it would be to create the models and to write the book and to like you say to be educating people at the moment around the world as to what these triangles are about Mm
2: -hmm.
3: um certainly it's it's changed my perspective on life and um but it has changed over the years. People are a lot more open about it now. You're finding a lot more of the connection between the paranormal yes. and, uh, and the UFOs, which maybe um, 20 years ago, people weren't quite so keen to talk about. No, they I didn't think... want
0: to talk about either. <laughs> 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 now you've got people talking about both, which I think is really, uh, it is, just yeah. really good. It's absolutely you know. fantastic. So right.
3: um, I'll read you one of the... Uh... Please encounters from the book just to give you, Thank you. an idea
2: Thank so you. this is a,
3: a guy called charles b uh, december 2011 so he'd been out um, with his daughter they'd seen a light in the sky and they decided to chase it in the car um so basically so we both reasoned it was maybe a helicopter but there was no strobes and no noise somewhere between cleesby and manfield we lost sight of it as it got too low we looked for the object but decided to give up and turn back home As we drove back along the A67, I said, let's look down by the river at Low Connors Cliff. With hindsight, I think they told me it was there. After driving down the track to the river, it was probably about 300 feet above the ground. It was huge, at least a 1,000 feet across. The lights at the apices were dim yellow-orange, and there was a dimmer orange light in the body towards the back. I got out of the car and stood staring at the triangle. There was total silence. I could no longer hear the traffic from the nearby motorway. The body was black and it blocked out the stars and I could see stars around it and also a nearby farmhouse on a hill south of the river. It also seemed to block out the breeze. I don't know whether I got closer to it or it to me, but I seemed right underneath it. I could see black channels etched into the underside of it, which which now made me think of a docking mechanism. It seemed to be made of slate or graphite material, very dark grey and smooth matte texture. I could feel the presence in my whole body and a dental implant was vibrating in my mouth. I could see the channels covered the underside of the craft. They are probably six feet across and of a similar depth. I raised my hand and touched part of the craft's body between the channels. I was terrified and even thought it could harm me, but I did it anyway. I bushed my fingers over it and then put my ent- entire palm on it. It felt like a hard kitchen worktop with a matte finish, but was not cold. The next thing I remember is my daughter shouting at me to come back in the car. She hadn't wanted to get out. So that, that is a pretty amazing encounter. I believe all the encounters in the book are genuine. I'll say that first. Art. So this guy right. has stood underneath a 1,000-foot-wide triangle that has come down so low it allows him to stretch up and touch the underneath of the craft right. without any damage. I mean, that is just one of the most amazing encounters that I've I've come across. I think right. that's incredible.
0: Right. Well, the fact that that it's affected you so profoundly and others as well, just the the fact that I I just like to see that everybody's had good experiences with it.
3: Yes. Yeah. Um, there's very few people who say they've had bad experiences, but we have to remember that our government must know what's going on. They must. Um, they're keeping quiet about what's going on, and I think the aliens themselves are not coming down and making disclosure Mm -hmm. whatever they're up to they keep it very quiet as well so it may not be good in the end you know for for the human race i don't really know
0: it's not just the british government believe me (laughs) the (laughs) world is it's the same (laughs) on a need-to-know basis and many you don't really think you need to know anything so (laughs) so do you have any plans to write another book on your experiences are you you Um,
3: getting more stories i am getting more stories yeah but um it took me 24 years to get to writing this book. Right. It didn't take so long to write it once I concentrated on it and locked myself in a room at yes. weekends just writing the book because I'd gathered all the information, a lot of the information along the way. Right. Um, right. If I wanted to write another book, I'm not sure where I would start now. I mean, people are contacting me, yes, with new um, sightings all the time, to be to be honest. And I guess over the next few months, there'll be a lot of people contacting yeah. uh, with their own societies i could collate all of those into another book yes um but at the moment now I've, I've got no great inclination to to do you no know, on this one <laughs> this right, that was enough, time right? And, yes yes and to be honest doing these um these podcasts i, I find them quite well, a little yes. bit stressful as well like you know I'm, right. I'm doing, i've got quite a few of these lined up but
0: right
3: this is the only one that i've done in the early hours of the morning right
0: (laughs) well uh, you know live is always I always say live is great because you get to interact with people and our live listenership is colossal when you hear from me after the fact you'll wake up again tomorrow and go how many people (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be pretty wild so
3: (laughs) I hope so yes yes
0: I I promise you (laughs) so I think I
3: think there'll be a lot of people out there will take a lot of comfort from from this book people who've yes. had their own experiences who want to know other people have had experiences. And, yes. and already I'm having people saying that, that the book is, um, is comforting in, in a way because you know it's counseling to people right. who have had experiences.
0: Right. I think it's a great, a great place for people to start and maybe hesitating on talking about any kind of their, their experience with any Skycraft, you know, it unnerves some people. And I love, you know, hearing stories such as yours and Preston and Dennett as a friend and been on the show a few times, who's notorious for writing positive stories about encounters. And to me, you know, that's really important because there's too many that go the other way. Um, now, where can your book be found and purchased and where can you be found if somebody wants to communicate with you?
3: Okay, well, the, um, the book is available on Amazon. It's available as a hardback, paperback, uh, right. Kindle, and also um, as a, an audio book as well. Oh, um, fantastic. Yeah, I think the, the audio book seems to be selling quite well. Um, people can contact me through Facebook. Um, I'm on there, Colin Saunders. They could probably message me. I'm getting a bit filled up with friends at the moment. I think I've got about 4,900 friends on there. And uh, keep getting lots yeah. of friends requests every day coming through. Uh, um if people uh want to um to message me i guess you could email me as well if i give you my email address
0: yeah feel free i can i can definitely okay it's
3: pec 13 that's popper echo charlie kilo one three at hotmail.co.uk okay if anybody wants to get in touch with their sighting or
0: that would be the way to do it share your stories Maybe yes, we can definitely. all talk Colin to write another book. <laughs> Colin's like, be quiet.
3: <laughs> you never know. You never know. Never say never.
0: <laughs> you never say never. That's what I say. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your experience with us and your stories and your book. And I, oh, Chris, loves your English accent.
3: <laughs> oh, you yeah, I've enjoyed it. It's been quite, uh, quite a thrill.
0: Thank you. Nerve
3: wracking, but yeah, we've got there. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, a little bit of tech stuff, but after all, you are on the other side of the pond, as they say. So yeah. bound to have a little bit. But I'm glad that uh, we were able to to get through it so thank you very much and you're going to be hearing from me and i'm going to be sending you links and and things of that nature okay
3: lovely that's great yeah thank you michelle and thank you for inviting me onto your program it's been great oh
0: it's a pleasure now maybe it's i know it's like four in the morning over there so i'm I'm hoping you'll be able to get back to sleep
3: yes i hope so (laughs) although i'm a bit psyched it'll take me a little while to (laughs) come
0: yeah especially with the coffee
3: That's right. Yeah. I might stand out in the garden and have a look for the triangles for a little while.
0: <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Thank you so much, Colin. Thank, Thank you, you.
3: You're Thank welcome. You. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.
0: Well, we have come to the end of another fantastic segment here on the Outer Realm. Uh, we were speaking with Mr. Colin Sanders and excellent, just excellent, Um tales and experiences and i love to hear you know how deeply moved people are from the things that they experience and not everything has to be fear-based and this is just another example no matter what your opinions are on the 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 whole the whole ufo thing some people are quite comfortable with it other people are not uh just know that you know there are things out there (laughs) so Anyway, um, big thank you to Folgers Coffee for sponsoring tonight's show. Big thank you to Dr. Snick, Justice Snicker. Big thank you to Steve McGinnis. Uh, Again, if you enjoy the content, please, whichever platform you're on, support, you know, support us by subscribing, liking, following, whatever the case may be. Share it, comment. We love it. Um, I will go in and put, of course, here is contact to the show if you want to um contact us have any ideas uh you'd like to see on the show or like to appear on the show or someone you'd like to see appear on the show there it is but uh we also have easter weekend coming up so you know for those of you who may not be tuning in tomorrow night i will wish you guys a happy easter weekend now for those who celebrate now tomorrow night we welcome the return of mark ollie uh, Who is he's been on the show many times, uh, the Polychronicon of Merlin Joseph and Arthur. This is a a book that has been, if I'm not mistaken, Marcus said, 50 years in the making, and it basically talks about the Arthurian King Arthur legend, and I mean anything that he spoke to me about it is this going to be. Slightly on the mind blowing side. So, you um, definitely want to tune in uh, with that one. It's going to be a really great show. Anyway, guys, thank you and uh, have a good night. We'll see you tomorrow.